Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire women. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Hi, welcome to Sky Women, a podcast for real women, real stories, real inspiration. I am excited to have my lovely friend and social worker, Tammy, with me today. We chatted with her recently, and whenever I invited her on the podcast, she said, okay, I'll do that, but I really want um, to introduce you and your listeners to get to know you better, so I want to interview you. And if I know anything about Tammy as a social worker, she can get all of the details from somebody. She may be standing next to them 15 minutes at a gathering and she knows their life story. So she's the perfect person to be on the podcast. Welcome, Tammy. Hey, I love that introduction. That means I'm good at my job. I love asking people questions. Isn't that fun? And so I let you ask me lots of personal questions. And to all those listening, I talk, told Dr. Moyers, I said, your patients and all the people that listen, they need to hear from you too. She has quite a fun story. And Dr. Moyers has so, I've had so much fun getting to know her. And we've been through lots of ups and downs, a lot of what we talked about on my side. So this time I get to put her on the hot seat. So that's right. Uh, but just so those who didn't get to hear before, so um, Dr. Moyers and I met when you know she moved to a small town, back to her roots as a single mom in a practice by herself. And so she was trying to find some friends and she got stuck with me. <laughs> and um, we, so we connected because not only just her being a physician and I was always the needy friend asking her about my bladder and weird smells, um, we also started connecting on other stuff. So when I met her, she was single, um, with a son. And, um, I think some of the stuff that you dealt with, with custody kind of came later. The first thing that really happened was you were a single mama working and you were reentering the dating world, weren't you? That's true. Yes. And, and how'd you feel about that? Especially in small town, East Texas, not oh, many choices out there. No. And I would get hit on in the doctor's lounge, in the grocery store. I mean, seriously, one gentleman saw me at one grocery store and the second time at the next grocery store, the first one, he invited me to church. The second one, he approached me like he knew me and proceeded to have conversation. And I was always like, I was the one who walked too fast in the grocery store. And they're like, you know, who lit this lady on fire? You know, cause I was in and out. What did I need to do? <laughs> Because you didn't really want to be hit on by very many people. And I remember, um, you know, you had like, you had some different interests and different people you were talking to. You really weren't sure what direction you wanted to go. It's hard after you've been divorced to know what you want. So I think maybe you should tell everyone about how you met your current husband. Oh, wow. Okay. So, all right. So first of all, going through a very painful divorce and drawn out custody battle, et cetera, leaves you pretty raw. Right. And so I went on a pilgrimage of sorts. I went to um, Israel on my own yep. residency 
and it was like a short three-day trip. So, you know, long flight there, three days in Holy Land, long flight back. Um, took a lot of organization and friends sharing miles for me to get there even, okay? <laughs> and I remember being um, in this garden and just in meditation and feeling this moment of you are whole, you are enough as you are, love yourself first, and then you will find love. Okay. So that just sat with me. And um, I then, of course, this go on to my first year of practice and I'm in small town America and I kind of went kicking and screaming and it turned out to be the most wonderful place for me to be in my first years of practice mm -hmm. and so, formed some fabulous friendships like you. I was okay single. Now I still had this lingering, like this guy that I was dating who mm -hmm. was great, but wasn't great for me. And I felt like I was being led on a little bit and I was supposed to go fly out to meet him. And when I felt like I was getting the runaround, I said, you know what, who needs this? And so I just went off to Austin for a weekend. And as fate would have it, I met several friends there from different walks of life, right? So one friend was from Houston and one friend was from residency and another friend from Fort Worth that I knew and someone walked up to me and said I have a guy you need to meet and I just rolled my eyes like I'm so sure you do right and um she said well no and you know she told me a few facts which I don't even remember what they were but she just told me a good looking guy really nice he's a teacher that's kind of all I knew and um so she said, I'm going to have um, a game night or something at my house. You can come. I said, okay, well, I'm going to come see my sister in the next month, you know, so I'll let you know. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of went from there. So she, I mean, we did, did exactly as she said. <laughs> my sister and I show up at her house and she's got a game night going on and it's just very casual and, you know, a lot of um, uh, young people around the table and, um, immediately like I don't know who he is but I'm really hoping that it's this tall dark and handsome balding guy <laughs> with great shoes <laughs> sitting next to me at the table <laughs> I love that you remembered his shoes important part huh <laughs> yeah yeah and um and so and and the funny thing is that he says now you know I didn't know which of you like I knew you were coming with your sister but I didn't know which one was who <laughs> He didn't know either. Yeah. And he didn't know who was the older, who was the younger. I mean, my sister is seven years younger than me, but anyhow. Um, so after, you know, the, the game that we were all enthralled in ended, um, he, we hung around and talked a little bit. He talked to Sarah and I, and then Sarah kind of, you know, made her way to chat with some others. And um, we talked for a little bit. It was about 20, 30 minutes. It was enough to like peak interest. Um, and then it was over, like we were gone. And my sister was like, well, what do you think? He's kind of quiet and he's balding. And I'm like, well, that happens to a lot. Of 
hey, if you marry him balding, then you don't have to worry about them balding later and losing like what you, you know thought what to you expect. Were <laughs> right. Yeah, you totally know what to expect. Um, so the thing that impressed me was that he was a second grade teacher and he was like, we never have a bad day. And I'm thinking he is so full of it. <laughs> but it was and just children and yeah. he loved kids. I remember you telling me. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, he, yeah. So we had just a small chat and I was interested for sure. And so the next month I went back to visit my sister and this time, or actually, no, I went back to visit my friend who had introduced us at her house and she, um, had a dinner party that night and saved a seat next to me for Eric. And so she had a, couple, a few couples there and some single men. And so as I'm making a salad for dinner, she says, now there'll be three eligible bachelors tonight. <laughs> I said, are any of them good looking as Eric? <laughs> um, so anyways, the funny story is, okay, so, so Eric comes in, he's the last one to arrive and he's brought you know some wonderful Persian dishes. And we chat a little bit as people start, you know, the, the people start to break off into their own groups and then the party kind of ends. So there's one other guy who's hanging around and Eric and I are chatting with him. We come to find out he's, this is one of the eligible bachelors. He's actually married with kids. <laughs> they just haven't relocated to DFW yet. <laughs> oh, so he was looking, but he wasn't eligible. <laughs> Oh, neither. He was just friendly and, and came to the dinner party. <laughs> My friend just didn't have her facts straight. <laughs> so Glad you weren't interested in him. That would have been heartbreaking. Right. So as everybody left, we went outside on the patio and chatted and chatted. And next thing you know, it's 2 a.m. And Eric is mortified that we're, you know, still at these, these ladies' homes with three generations that live in the house. <laughs> That you had stayed there and crashed their party till 2 a.m. Yeah, well, now I was, I was staying there with them anyways. Um, but the grandmother, the, the, the friend, our mutual friend, and then her daughter all lived in the house. And um, yeah, so we chatted about everything under the sun. And I asked him like all and the random questions. Like I was just unturning every stone. <laughs> everything I could think of, but it was just great banter and great conversation. Um, and he left that night and like, didn't even give me a hug. Like he left in such a hurry. He was so embarrassed that he was like still in <laughs> at that hour. Huh? I think, didn't, did he give you his number? No, no. That's right. He didn't. Mm -mm. So the next day, my lovely friend, um, I go hop into her bed, you know, like, like a teenage girl. I'm like, he was so lovely and it was so much fun to chat and, um, mark my words. I think I'm going to marry this guy. <laughs> and, um, and she was like, well, do you want me to call him and give you that? I don't know. He knows where to find me. If he wants to see me again or talk to me, he'll reach out. So I went about my day, you know, I went and had lunch with my sister and brother-in-law and just went about my day. And then I get a call and it's him and he wants to take me to his like annual auction for school. 
and um, which he like had never attended until this one. And he had been at the school for several years. <laughs> and so that was our first date. We actually went to this event for his school and then went dancing um, in downtown Fort Worth and had a blast. And at the end of that weekend, um, we had gone for a run the next morning and um, went to lunch. And then he had an event at the school that he needed to go to. And we were sitting in Jimmy John's and he was squirming in his seat. Like I could just tell, like he really wanted to say something, but I was not going to like go there. You know, I was going to make him work for it. <laughs> so he says to me, I'd really like to see you again. And I was like, yeah, I think that'd be nice. But um, I don't know when the next time I'm going to be in the area, but you're welcome to come to my my little small town sometime if you'd like. And so he said, yes, I'd love to do that. And so, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> so how long did you guys date? Before you got married. So we dated for a year. That's yeah. right. I mean, it was fast, but not fast. I mean. Yeah. Well, I, so we met and then that's, we met in like April, May. Then um, that summer he moved to my town, left his great job at a private school yeah. and moved to my town um, so that we could have that day in, day out relationship and you know he could interact with my son because he you know he was big on this has to be right for everybody so I was going to ask you so it was um how old was Jackson when y'all got married he was seven he was in seven. the second grade when we got married mm -hmm. right so perfect guy you married a second grade teacher who, <laughs> um, did great with Jackson. Would you say, just as a quick question, at that point, was there any issues with blending your family, introducing new dad? I feel like things went smoothly. Yeah, on our part, things went really smoothly. Things with um, Jackson's dad were very challenging, always very difficult. Okay, so then let's talk about how, so then you and your lovely husband, you guys started expanding your family. And once you tell everybody how many kids you have, <laughs> <laughs> I have four boys total. So I have Jackson who just turned 16 and then, um, Eric and I have three littles together, um, seven, five, and two, seven, five, and two. So if anyone knows how hard it is to have a seven, five, and two year old and work full time, you do <laughs> chaos, right? Yes. Yes. So I want, I want, before we go on, I want to tell everyone my favorite, one of my favorite moments with you. Okay. Um, so I think this is when you had two littles and you were um, starting to stay home. So you moved, you weren't working full time. You were working kind of part-time. Right. I don't even think, yeah, it was very part-time. Like you were filling in some shifts. Right. And, and you called me and you were kind of crying, not having a great day. Right. And you said, um, I just have to tell you, and you told me, you called me to tell me, cause I was a home mom. And like, this is what made my world and my <laughs> life so wonderful is you said being a surgeon is easy compared to being a stay at home mom. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I, I um, routinely tell people that you said that to me because right. that made me feel it validated every feeling. So for any mom out there who feels like they can barely handle staying at home with kids, um, it is easier than being a surgeon, right? <laughs> Right? Oh Most, my goodness. Yes. But it's I so hard. You, it never so ends. No, you were so frustrated. You were exhausted emotionally, physically, everything. So, um, that should be some encouragement out there. Anyone who's listening, um, how frustrated and exhausted you were with that job. <laughs> so, um, so really I remember that after all of that, you babies busy, you've been trying to figure out what you want to do. You've had different types of jobs different schedules, right? It's right. really hard to find that perfect work, mom, family balance because you want to be a wife and have time for your husband. You want to be a mom with your kids, but you also want to use your career and how does that work and how you've struggled with that, haven't you? Absolutely. I mean, when I first started practice, I just wanted to hone my craft. I was really pleased. I had set boundaries about my call schedule and my call partners were great about honoring that. Um, it was when I relocated um, that I really struggled with that because I took a job that was not a great fit for me and left um, at the end of that first year. And so had an opportunity to do hospitalist work at the hospital close to my house in Eric got offered a job kind of out of the blue as a um, head soccer coach. And I said, take it. I kind of want some time with my babies because keep in mind, I had gone through residency. Jackson's dad and I divorced whenever he was, I mean, it was finalized when he was three technically, but split when he was two. And I survived residency because my mom came to live with me you know, 80 hour work weeks and being gone every other week to go to his dad's. I mean, I missed a lot and I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to miss out anymore. I had honed my craft. I knew my skill set. Um, I had really leaned into my career. I felt confident at where I was. And now I just thought, yeah, this is my pause. Like I can still do hospitalist work. I can still keep my foot in the door. I can still use my brain, but I just want to be present with my babies and enjoy being a mom. Right. It didn't make it easier, but it did give you a chance to be with them. And I know you don't regret that or. I don't regret it at all, but I had an internal like argument, fight, struggle on a regular basis, daily basis, I would say about feeling like maybe I was leaving something behind. Right. Um, but I didn't want to give up. You know, I didn't want my kid put my kids in, in full daycare at that point because I had seen how lovely it was to be able to spend those young years with them at home. And yeah. Um, so Eric and I have had kind of toggled one or the other being the stay at home parent while they're little. Yeah. And it's been tough. And I know you can speak to this briefly. Um, I don't, does, I don't know if your husband listens to your podcast, <laughs> but, uh, but just then you had that struggle of, he started being a stay at home dad and you worked kind of more. And then that was a really difficult transition for you too, because he was the one saying, I need you to come home. I need a break. You were the one working these hours. And then when you come home, you want to give him a break and you're exhausted, right? Yeah. That yeah, was a challenge. Right. Cause after three years of stay at home mom and occasional shifts, um, it reached a point where I just needed more volume. And cause as a, as a, as a specialty where you operate and you deliver babies, you kind of have to keep, keep that skill set up. And so I just needed more volume. And so I went back full time and, um, I took a 
we had looked across the country and we're going to make a move. And for different reasons, we chose not to. And I took a job in um, a very posh area and was driving a lot. Um, and so it was long hours and, um, you know, I was using my creative brain, but a lot of it really could have been done remotely. And so I did get to do some of that remotely, but I was developing a gynecology program. Um, and at the end of the year, I felt really good about the work I had done there and what I had developed in, um, the, um, format that I had set, but it just, there, the volume wasn't there. And so I helped recreate my replacement and came to full hospitalist work, um, which has its own challenges as 24 hour shifts are very brutal and hard on the body, especially at a high volume center, but I needed the volume, right? So I have spent the year really soul searching, um, attending conferences, reading books, identifying mentors, um, journaling, counseling, um, taking a master class. I mean, you name it, I've done it to really try to just recenter after, I mean, all of these babies and, and you know, a messy divorce and custody battles and letting Jackson go and live with his dad, like all of these different aspects of life that have just pulled and tugged on me. I just really needed time and space to realign, to really identify what is it I want? What is important to me? Where do I want to go from here? Mm -hmm. And so that's when I kind of formulated my plan. I had it written all out on paper and the stars just aligned for me to just execute it in September. And so I launched Sky Women's Health and the vision is really to have it be a place, just a safe haven for women to realign themselves, right? So I realized I'm a board certified OB-GYN who did a neuromusculoskeletal medicine fellowship. This is a unique hands-on skill that in a busy OB-GYN practice, I don't have time to use. Right. Maybe a few times a month did I do this for patients who were having some low back pain or rib pain or just a variety of different complaints, but it was rare that I had time for it. So the unique thing about this practice is that it's a direct care model where we don't fuss with insurance, cash prices. Um, mm -hmm. And the idea is to use my osteopathic skill set for women in their pregnancy and postpartum period or beyond, really. Um, but to really hone in on just helping new mamas, emerging mamas, <laughs> or seasoned moms to really identify their value and optimize their health. Um, so it is in its evolution stage, you know, I have this vision of having yoga and pelvic health and maternal mental health <laughs> and kind of all the things under one roof, um, including like, you know, peri and postmenopause and sexual health, because with my year of developing the gynecology program for a hormone replacement therapy clinic, I just got really frustrated because I felt like there is not a one size fits all for women, there is not a cookbook. It needs to be very personal and, and customized. And women really need a space to be heard and know that they're not alone and they're not abnormal. And, you know, across the age span, I hear women saying that 
they don't want to have sex or they're not interested in sex. And sex for women is so multifaceted. It's, it's not, you know, I always say women need, men need a place and women need a reason. It's so much more complicated for women. It's so much more a head game. And how do we feel about our body and our appearance and what 15 tasks do we have left on our to-do list? And are the kids asleep? And, you know, was our husband, um, kind today or were they a real ass? You know? <laughs> it all adds yeah. up. <laughs> right. Right. Not to mention well, that our body goes through engaged engaged metamorphosis. Yeah. You know? So anyway, sky is that safe haven for women to provide direct care. It's gynecology, integrative gynecology and osteopathy. And I'm really excited about it. But the best part about it, and this is my shout out for Dr. Moyers, is that not only do you have someone who's totally going to help you out medically with all the things, but you have to understand as a person, she listens and she's been through so much life experiences. That's what makes her so great at what she does. So many times us women just feel like we're a number. We get called in, we get a five minutes to tell our doctor what's going on. But that's why I want you guys to get to know her because she's a person who has been through so much. She has so much love and she wants you guys not to just be healed physically, but she wants your heart and your, and your mind to also go along with that. Because that's so much of our big part about women's health is what we feel about ourselves and wants to connect you to all the things you need. So big shout out for that. Okay, but I'm going to ask you about something kind of private, and we're going to talk about this really fast, and you can share what you want, but I do think that opening up for your patients helps them see that they can open up to you, and so um, Dr. as you guys might have heard in our previous podcast, she asked me questions about my personal So um, uh, Dr. Moyers called me several years ago and said, hey, you know, she's had all these beautiful baby boys and she really wanted to adopt. And I knew in her heart too, she was really interested maybe even in a baby girl. Um, that was something that she, and she can tell you about how uh, a lot of moms, you know, that mother daughter connection, but her and Eric started thinking about adoption. So she called me and we've talked about it for a while, didn't we? Just back yeah. and forth, you know, process and what it looks like and who to call. And I think maybe you even looked up agencies and then one day something happened and um, we walked this path of, um, and I'm going to let her tell the story as much as she wants to, but to know that um, a baby was placed in um, Dr. Moyer's hands and it was one of those beautiful moments where as friends, we cried tears of happiness and um, a lot of fear, paperwork, trying to figure out how this process is going to work. And um, her story, didn't end like many um, adoptive stories. There's some out there that can connect because it was a heartbreaking moment where um, baby didn't stay with her. Mm. So you tell us how much, how comfortable you are with what details you want to share. But I think these women know that your heart's real and what you've been through. Wow. Okay. Thank you so much, honestly, for that shout out, because I really appreciate that. I do care deeply. Um, and I'm very comfortable sharing this story um, because it is a beautiful story because we really just had open hearts. And um, it's funny because this was, it was around Christmas and um, I had a shift that day. Eric was home with the kids and I went into work, you know, starts at 7 a.m. So I come in all harried because I've 
got a six month old that I'm nursing. So hair's still wet, makeup's not done, you know, and it, one of my favorite nurses was on and we were chatting it up at the beginning of the shift after getting checkout. And I mentioned to her, like, I love babies and I would be so happy to complete our family with adoption because man, this postpartum period is some hard stuff. <laughs> I don't know that I ever want to be pregnant again. So this is after baby okay. number three. And we kind of laughed about it. And I went downstairs and got busy on some work. I finished rounds. And about an hour or two later, I get a call that there's a woman for a rule out labor, no prenatal care, adopting baby. Okay. So I go up and evaluate her and, um, you know, kind of go through the whole process. And I'm, sitting there at the desk doing my note and just have this like weird gut feeling. And I, I went downstairs and I called you and I said, Hey, like this sounds crazy, but walk <laughs> me through the steps of adoption again. And I just don't even know, like, this is the scenario how would I even approach that to say, Hey, we would be willing to adopt your child. Um, and I did not want it to be coerced. I did not want right. you know, like there's a whole ethical principle there. And I've seen a million moms, well, maybe not a million, but thousands of moms who might be adopting their baby out. And I've never been like, Hey, I'll take your baby. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, that's you just... were very worried and it was good because you want to make sure that nothing happened. Right. That could come back. Right. So you kind of walked me through the process. And so then my next call was to my husband to say, what do you think? And he said, let's bring this baby home. She needs a good place to stay. Well, at that point we didn't know the sex and he didn't care. Right. I mean, he just loves children and he would have oodles of them. And he always teases right. that if we had gotten married younger, we would have many more children. <laughs> so like, yeah, we didn't. <laughs> we didn't. Um, so anyways, um, I had to make several more phone calls, um, after I went upstairs and I just mentioned to the nurse, um, what I was thinking. And I said, if you think I'm crazy and I'm lying, please tell me, slap some sense into me. Cause I have a six month old at home. And she said, I'm just going to mention it. Um, and she brought up to the patient, you know, Dr. Moyers had mentioned that she would be interested in adopting her family, adopting to complete her family. And the patient said, Oh my goodness. I loved her. Are you kidding me? Like she was about to go through an adoption agency. She hadn't quite set it up. She was term. And, um, she said, please have her come talk to me. Right. And so weird conversation to have. I go in and I don't know exactly where to go with the conversation, but I want to get to know her, what she knows about the dad, what are the circumstances. And it was her second baby that she was adopting out. First one was in high school. Here she's in college and she's um, working and just, you know, feels like she can't do this right now. So familiar Crazy story, a little close to home, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're so connected on weird levels, aren't we? Right. So, um, so anyways, then I just kind of leave it at, th at that. Um, I wound up admitting her for labor and then just kind of back out of this scenario, like whatever she needs, whatever space, do we need to not call another doctor to deliver her? Um, she didn't want to know the sex of the baby. She really just wanted 
it to be done and, you know, to have the baby adopted out. But she really hadn't put all of the eggs into place or all the, the paperwork into place, should I say. Um, so at that point, the nursing staff, social worker, and you got involved um, because you just wanted to make sure that she was educated and wanted to make sure that she was in a good place um, and answer any questions she had. So I don't even, I've never even heard the backstory of y'all's conversations um, and where that went. And that's fine because that was her, that was her story. Um, but it was the next day in the afternoon. I remember I was home and I was standing in the nursery when I got a call from her and she said, I would really like you and your husband to adopt my baby. I want to do a private adoption. And if you're still interested, I would really love that. And I said, absolutely we are. And so, um, I was on call another night and got to hold her and actually got to deliver her because she wanted me. The, the patient said, what a beautiful story that you would get to deliver your child. Like let's, I, she really wanted that. Um, and so I got to hold her in the nursery and all of my, um, doc, my other colleagues were, um, bringing baskets for her and like goodies and getting her prepped for home. My sister brought me all of the baby clothes and, um, from her twins. And so on Christmas day, we brought home our sweet Harper. Yeah. On Christmas day. I can't on imagine that you think about her every Christmas day. So it was a beautiful story <clears throat> and you and I just were over the moon about baby girl. And then if you want to tell everyone, how many days did you have with Harper? So we had seven days with Harper. Everybody was enamored. You know, I had two babies that I was nursing at that point. Yes. And, um, Isaac was my little helper and we had her for seven days. And on the sixth day was my first day to go back to work since we had had her. And my husband and his parents were there with all the little kids. <laughs> so I felt very confident. Um, and it, it was just doing a 12 hour shift. And I get a call from an attorney and he says that she's changed her mind. And at that point, you had already put me in contact with attorney who over the holidays was drafting the paperwork at no cost. Like, how amazing is that? Um, and so I said, well, I need, I need to call my attorney. You know, I just, I just felt sucker punched, honestly, because she was so certain. The dad was so certain. Um, and ultimately I said, you know, well, of course I want Harper to have the best life possible. And if her mother wants her, then, um, I want to support her in that. And I would just love to see her to pass her off and just let her, you know, know what her routine is, know what her feeding schedule is, you know? Um, and but let's be honest and say that as much as the beautiful, you, I know you wanted her to have, you know, mom to have her choice, to have her back. It was absolutely devastating because you oh, didn't want to lose her. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. It was gut wrenching. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, you lost me. Yeah. It was gut wrenching. I mean, 
I wanted the best for her, but I mean, I didn't want to lose her. We had already considered her ours. I mean, I still have saved. I mean, I wrote Harper's story, like, cause I thought it was such a beautiful story. So in that first week I wrote it because I wanted it to be documented for her, but you gave me some beautiful advice and that was to give her mom some sort of like gift or letter just for whenever she's ready. And I did that and just told her how, you know, Harper will know that um, her mom was brave and that she had loved her and wanted to give her the best life. And um, so I gave her a big hug and let her know, um, you know, it just gave her a big thank you and told her that she was well. And, you know, because we signed papers like the day after um, and um, gave her that letter. And so, um, I was glad that I did that because it just gave me closure and in honoring her and, and her story and this, her part in this journey. Um, but I was so confident that, you know, well, Harper was ours. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, I, I, the hardest part was that the attorney said she wouldn't meet with me, that she was, um, you know, she knew that she had caused us, um, grief and, and that was really hard. And I know she felt bad. Yeah. She felt bad. So, um, we, well, I took her to this attorney's office and I literally had to pass her off to an attorney in an empty office and whomever was there to get her was, you know, hidden back in an office. Um, and that was really hard to hand her off in a bag of clothes and, and basically, well, no, I tried to give them, you know, her diaper bag and he said, oh, they've got everything they need and didn't accept anything. So I just literally handed my baby girl over. Yeah. And then you went home to pink baby clothes and all the things you've been given sitting at your house, which... You and, know, a, and a two-year-old. So Isaac is 21 <clears throat> months. No, so Isaac would have been officially two. Okay. So he's two years old and he is in love. He is totally enamored and he is beside himself. When I come home, where's Harper at? You know, he's so confused as to why I didn't bring her home and when is she coming back? And he named his bear Harper. Um, years later, still even he'll bring up Harper. Um, but that, that was Oh, that was gut-wrenching. That was so hard on Eric to see Isaac have such a hard time with that piece. Do you feel like um, that experience has connected you to some of your patients that deal with loss, whether it's they, you know, lose their baby mid-pregnancy, early pregnancy, late in pregnancy, for infertility? I mean, there's so many things now you feel like you've connected and you understand the grief now more. Absolutely. I mean life is hard, right? It's not going to be perfect. It's not roses and sunshine, despite what our Instagram feed tells us it's 50, 50, <laughs> it's good and bad. And I feel like all of my experiences as a woman, whether it was, you know, marrying my high school sweetheart and it not working out and going through divorce and custody and remarrying and letting my oldest go live with his dad eventually. And, you know, having more children and being a stay at home mom, but still working some shifts and then going back full time, like the 
full spectrum has made me such a better physician because I just understand where women are coming from. And, you know, that loss. And then after, after three pregnancies, after, um, mm -hmm. losing Harper, having my own first trimester miscarriage, the following November, um, was really hard. That was a tough season. That was a tough season of loss. Um, yeah. And I had had beautiful, uncomplicated pregnancies and, you know, you go through this feeling of, I should be so grateful, but I feel so sad and I feel robbed of this, you know, all of the, the spectrum of emotions, you know, um, and knowing that I should be grateful that I have beautiful, healthy children, but you, you, I always tell women, um, you know, it doesn't matter when you lose that baby, even if it's a first trimester loss, you have dreamed of the life of that baby from the moment you pee on the stick and you see that positive test, right? You've got the nursery plan, you know, you know, you know where they're going to go to pre-K like you got it. or you even pee on the stick of what it's going to be like. <laughs> true. True. So yes, those life experiences certainly have made me more compassionate and more understanding of women. And, you know, I, especially, you know, the more years of experience as a physician, I see like women just want a space to be heard and they want to be valued and they're really struggling with valuing themselves, right. And, and taking that stand for themselves. And so I just want to offer a place to empower them to live their best mm -hmm. life. Okay. So in closing, um, this has been so much fun and you know, it's coming again, Dr. Moyers, because we're going to keep you on the hot spot. Um, so your patients get to hear more about you. So for all those listening, um, don't worry, I'm going to ask her more questions one day in the future. Um, but we appreciate you being honest. It's always great for us to know that our doctors and those who are taking care of us are human and they have stories like ours. Um, Dr. Moyers has been through loss, um, relationship problems, divorce, custody, remarriage, blended families, so many wonderful things. And um, we're so excited on her new career adventures and think she's going to be really successful. She's a great friend and even a better doctor. So you can find us at skywomenshealth.com on Instagram at Sky Women's Health and on Facebook at Sky Women's Health. So we look forward to serving you. Thank you so much, Tammy, for helping me to share my story.